is AEW successful? Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long-term booking. or a fucking triple shot of espresso, please. Somebody, somebody get me some fucking espresso in here, man. I can't take this shit anymore. Seriously. Oh, my goodness. Oh. Pardon my appearance, ladies and gentlemen. Pardon, pardon my appearance and pardon the uh, nap that I took in the beginning of this video, man. I need something to wake me up. Jesse, get the espresso machine going, okay, please. I'm making a quad. Oat milk, vanilla. Uh, let's do uh, extra foam on that too, bro. I can't do the alcohol tonight, man. You, you saw the intro. You saw the intro, man. I can't listen. Listen, man. A cop almost pulled me over, man. Seriously. I had the fucking computer in the Mustang. Uh, give him the uh, the good word. I got out of uh, I got out of a hundred and eight dollar ticket, man. I, I don't know how I did it, man. I, I don't know. I don't know. Listen, just get the espresso, shut your mouth. I saw what Thunder Rosa tweeted you, bro. You're a dead man walking, man. I can't wait till Wednesday, man. I can't wait till Chicago when we go to Forbidden Door, man. Listen, you're going to get fucking uh, Thunder Driver right on the concrete. Listen, listen, this show sucks. This show sucks. Monday Night Raw was an absolute bore fest tonight. I, I don't. I don't really understand how you have a pay-per-view. Jesse called in sick. I'm busy looking for a security team, he says. Bro, listen. I'll deal with you on Wednesday. I, I don't understand how you have a pay-per-view on Sunday, and then this is the best product that you can put out on a Monday night. Six days before this WrestleMania Backlash pay-per-view <laughs> premium live event on Sunday night. What happened tonight? What what exactly what exactly happened tonight on the show that you or me would be interested in having a full-blown discussion about? What happened? What happened tonight? We got a Six-woman main event match. Six-woman tag team main event match that basically did nothing for absolutely nothing. Oscar was back, and Liv Morgan was in there, and Rhea Ripley was in there. The newly turned Rhea Ripley was in there. We got Bianca Belair in there. We got Sonya Deville in there. No progression towards a Raw Women's Championship match. 
six days before pay-per-view, we, we, we may not even get an announcement of anything with Bianca Belair on that show. I don't know. Either that or it's going to come in the 11th hour. WWE had Roman Reigns show up on tonight's show. Absolutely no reason for him to be there. They did the same thing that they did on Friday, but Friday was a taped show and it was taped a week before Friday. I don't know. You're going to bring Roman Reigns to Monday Night Raw to uh, throw a couple of fisticuffs. Let me at him! Let me at him, Scoob! Reggie! Throw fisticuffs! Over there on Monday Night Raw with Drew McIntyre, man. Wow, what an exciting feud, man. Wow, you really gave up a tag team unification match for what we saw tonight on Monday Night Raw, man. What a great use of your unified champion in WWE. I really don't get it. You got Roman Reigns out there, WWE looking like a bunch of fools out there with the WWE and Universal Championships on one guy. He shows up on Monday Night Raw. He says nothing about nothing and then goes into the pay-per-view and we don't even have a title defense of these two titles at the pay-per-view that immediately follows WrestleMania. Why did you give him the both? Why did you give him both championships? Why did you give him the two championships if you had no plan to defend them at the pay per view? It's a little weird to me. It's bizarre. Not only that, you canceled the unification of the tag team championships for absolutely no reason, none, to do a six man tag team match that people will ultimately forget the next day. Great job there, Bruce. You're really winning fucking Booker of the Year in WWE for your contributions this year in 2022, man. Unbelievable. You're such a fucking genius, slob. More AJ Styles and Edge. Finn Balor now joins AJ Styles in this battle against Judgment Day. And that's pretty much all that happened on Monday night, man. I swear to God, there was basically nothing on this show. If I told you that WWE did absolutely nothing of note or nothing of importance on tonight's show, man, that would be the understatement of the entire week. It is legitimately the understatement of the entire fucking year for WWE. Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins there continuing to build towards their match. We had Seth Rollins appreciation night tonight. I don't know what we're appreciating Seth Rollins for. But Cody Rhodes didn't look good in that segment tonight, man. Got me worried there for the good old Roadster. I don't think he's going to walk out of backlash with a W. And I don't think we need Cody Rhodes losing his second match or his second match on pay-per-view, but his fourth match in on WWE television. That's something that we don't need, especially on his quest for a world championship. And that's pretty much all that happened on tonight's show, man. If I could listen to all my tunes that are preloaded in my fucking mixer for the rest of the evening and not talk about WWE, I'd be a happy man. But this show sucks, and I have a job to do, and I thank you guys for joining me. And all my antics on Monday Night Raw. And this is the post-show for Off the Script. It is May 2nd, 2022. Thank you guys for joining me on your Monday nights. Wherever you may be, follow me on social media at JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. 
Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up. I see 531 likes for the intro alone to this show. I should already beat 1,000. I mean, I put myself in harm's way sleeping behind the wheel. Come on. Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up. 1,000 likes minimum on today's OTS Monday Night Raw post show. Super Chats, get them on in. Hang out at the end of the show with some cold beverages. What the fuck are you guys drinking tonight, man? I forgot to ask it because I was falling asleep thanks to this terrible program tonight. What the fuck are you guys drinking tonight? Get them on in, man. The bar is packed. We got 1,700 so far. Still filing in. Get them on in. We'll hang out at the end of the show. You guys want to see VIP with me, man? Hit that join button. Hit that join button. Become an OTS member, channel member, VIP. First round, and maybe, if I like you, second round is on me. You guys get to sit VIP right back there with me. So hit that join button down below and become a member of this exclusive VIP club right here on OTS. We were live last night for OTS 428, man. Unbelievable live stream. Thank you guys for showing up big on the live stream. We got 2,500 plus to show up last night talking about Ember Moon, talking about the NXT releases and all of your weekly news and rumors. So go check that out. It is on the homepage right now. If you guys missed any of that stuff, including SmackDown, AEW, NXT, Monday Night Raw from last week, anything you guys missed, it is on the homepage right now for you. Go check that stuff out. Go get your t-shirts. Bonfire.com is the exclusive home of Off The Scripts. Tonight's show sponsored by Blue Chew. My great friends over at Blue Chew. BlueChew.com. Code JD at checkout for your free sample. Issa's in the chat. I'm wasted, she says. It's the only way I survived my Raw Watch along. Issa, I commend you immensely. You are a fucking trooper, man. I tell you that right now. If I drank during this show tonight, bro, I, I'd, be, I'd, be, I'd be passed out. You'd see an empty chair right behind me. That's what you'd see. And, like I said, BlueChew. BlueChew.com. Go get your free sample. Code JD at checkout. I want to thank my great friends over at BlueChew for once again sponsoring the Monday Night Raw post show on Off The Script. A little programming note for this week. I'll be live tomorrow for NXT Spring Breaking. We'll be live on Wednesday. Jesse got a new laptop. He's amping it up, bro. We're going to do the same thing we did on Wednesday, man. We're going to have a great stream on Wednesday. We're going to talk Dynamite. We'll be live Wednesday from the venue. And then Friday, we'll be live for SmackDown. I'm not sure if I'm doing a Rampage post-show mixed in with the SmackDown because Rampage apparently will be airing at 5.30 p.m. Eastern, my time. I'm not doing that. I'd much rather be on Destiny grinding my Hunter on Destiny 2, man. I'm not going to be doing that before dinner. I don't really give a shit. So we may just do SmackDown. I'll go live after 10 o'clock. And then we got the pay-per-view this weekend. WWE is presenting WrestleMania Backlash. I'll be live on Sunday night with that. When the when the podcast is going live this weekend, I have no idea. I have no idea, man. So I'll figure that all out and I'll let you guys know. But everything you can find as far as what's going on with the channel, you guys can follow me on Twitter. At JD from NY206. You'll do what, Jesse? What, what are you gonna? You, what are you gonna do? You're gonna do the rampage, the rampage coverage on your end. All right, you do it. I don't want to be bothered with more uh, bullshit than I already have on my plate, man. They're gonna fucking preempt the goddamn show that until five thirty because of the NBA playoffs. Tony Khan can uh, 
Take all that, and uh, I'll see him next week, man. Don't worry. He'll, he'll give me the week off, being that I'm on the fucking payroll already, man. I can make my own—TK said I can make my own schedule, so what's the big deal? What's the big deal? Everybody thinks I'm on the fucking payroll anyway, so I might as well start acting like it. Monday Night Raw. I'm in some fucking mood tonight, man. That nap in the car really helped me out, you know? A little cat nap here and there on the way to the venue, man. I'm good to go. Monday Night Raw. We opened up the show with Roman Reigns. The bloodline is on Monday Night Raw. What did they do here? Nothing. Nothing. Just another clickbait appearance by WWE. Oh, look, Roman, what is he going to do on Monday night? He threw a couple of fists at Drew McIntyre, and that was it. He called it a day. Easy night of work for Roman Reigns. WWE didn't even have anything lined up for this show on their website up until about 7.30. Just by that, you know that the show was being rewritten over and over and over again, and they didn't have a fucking clue as to what they wanted to do on this show tonight. Roman Reigns is there. Paul Heyman is there. The bloodline's there. Heyman told fans that they should stand on their feet because they get a chance to revel in greatness looking at their tribal chief. Reigns nodded and he was smiling as Heyman was talking. Roman Reigns got a slight baby face reaction here. Where the fuck were they tonight? They were in uh, Greensboro, North Carolina. He got somewhat of a baby face reaction in North Carolina. Reigns asked North Carolina to acknowledge him. RK Bro snuck in from behind and gave the Usos surprise RKOs out of nowhere. They all surrounded Reigns. Drew McIntyre's music plays, and this looked a little silly. Roman Reigns is in the ring. The Usos got taken out by RK Bro and Matt Riddle uh, and Randy Orton. And Drew McIntyre comes walking down the aisle with Angelo the sword. He starts... Wailing away with the sword, he takes his sweet-ass time to get down the aisle. I I don't really understand why you have Roman Reigns, your unified world champion, cornered in the middle of the ring, and you're taking your sweet time getting in the ring, fucking jerking around with your goddamn sword. Why don't you make haste and get to the ring and do what you gotta do against Roman? I guess Drew McIntyre doesn't really care about Roman Reigns, the fact that he took his sweet-ass fucking time. Getting into the ring tonight. It looks ridiculous. It looks ridiculous. No sense of urgency on Drew McIntyre. He's walking around fucking with the sword, pointing the sword, and fucking around with it. I mean, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's illogical garbage. This is the shit that I pick up on that nobody's going to fucking pinpoint and point out on their show. It looks stupid. Run down to the fucking ring. You, you, you could have had his theme music play, but Jesus fucking Christ, put some oomph in your step, bro. Wouldn't kill you. So Reigns had some words for Drew. Drew talked back. Reigns made a move. Drew beat him to the punch and started laying in some right hands. Reigns took over in the corner with some strikes. Drew powered Reigns into the corner, took control of his little melee. The Usos re-entered the ring. Riddle and Orton ran back in. Referees and agents entered to break them up. And that was it. That was it. We got a commercial break in the middle of the brawl. We don't see RK Bro, The Usos, Drew McIntyre, or Roman Reigns for the rest of the show. All the SmackDown talent on Monday Night Raw. That's the best you got, man. Wow, Bruce, how long did it take you to write this fucking unbelievable and thrilling segment to open Monday Night Raw? I could have shit out a better fucking open. An absolute waste of time. An absolute waste of time. 
I said this on Friday. I don't know why we're not doing the unification match. You look like a bunch of blithering idiots by not doing the, unif- the unification uh, tag team title match with the Usos and RK, bro. You hype this shit up for all these weeks to just cancel it for a six-man tag that is better suited for basic television on Monday or Friday night. I don't understand it. And the best part is, the kicker of all of this is, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, Roman Reigns claimed that he wanted the Usos to go to Monday Night Raw to take those titles, and then he ultimately, on Friday night, ripped up the fucking contract. He ripped up the contract and shoved it down Matt Riddle's throat. Not one single fucking word about why that was done or why it was changed or anything out of Roman Reigns' mouth. If Roman Reigns is finding this to be more important than his boys getting the tag team championships, I don't know what the fuck logic that is, Bruce. I don't. Look at the tag team division on both shows. We got, to open this show, we got another Street Profits and Alpha Academy tag team match, man. Oh, but JD, they had Kevin Owens and and Ezekiel in there, man. I don't give a shit. The fact that I'm seeing the Street Profits and the Alpha Academy in the same ring again further proves my point that you canceling the tag team unification match was a fucking dumb move. Dumb. I don't get this company. I never will. I'm tired of trying to make sense of the fucking sheer stupidity that we see every fucking week. That should be numero uno priority. Number one, merging the tag team divisions and creating one set of tag team titles for the fucking four teams that you got there. You do not need two divisions. I don't need this six-man tag. This is a waste of my fucking time. And the fact that I'm going to mention it again because I promise I'm going to mention it every fucking week until something is done. Roman Reigns is the WWE and Universal Champion. He is holding their championship, because we still have a brand split, hostage. Monday Night Raw does not have a major championship on their show for anybody to vie for or fight for. What are we doing? You mean to tell me that Roman Reigns is not defending this title this unified title at Backlash, and you opt to give me and sell me on this six-man tag team match as more important than a unification match for the tag team titles or a singles match with Roman Reigns and anybody. Oh, that's right. You don't have anybody because you had Roman bury everybody on the way here. And you don't have anybody on SmackDown to really put in the ring with him. And you don't have anybody on Monday Night Raw that's even worthy of the spot on their own end. WWE right now is floating up Shit's Creek, for, uh, bro. They, they are floating up Shit's Creek. There is so much wrong with everything that they're doing right now with Roman Reigns and the bloodline that I, I, I genuinely don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. Then I got to hear the fucking geeks tell me, oh, they're saving, they're saving Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns for the big stadium shows. That's great. You could have saved that for the big stadium shows. How about having him defend the fucking title against somebody that he's not going to be in a stadium show with? Did that ever cross your mind? Or are you too fucking stupid to come up with a logical situation where Roman Reigns defends his title against somebody? It doesn't have to be against Drew McIntyre right now. When are we going to get Drew McIntyre Roman Reigns? Are we going to get Drew McIntyre Roman Reigns inside Hell in a Cell? Is their first match, Bruce, going to be inside Hell in a Cell? Because that's the next pay-per-view. Watch. 
I guarantee you that's exactly what they're going to do. And if we don't get that, we'll get RK-Bro and the Usos and all these guys, Drew McIntyre and RK-Bro versus Roman Reigns and the Usos inside Hell in a Cell, and they'll sell you on that. If you wanted to save that match for Hell in a Cell, I would have absolutely understood. At least it would have made somewhat, uh, somewhat sense, a little bit more sense than what you're doing here. I don't get it. I don't understand it. But WWE thinks they know better than everybody. But at the end of the day, they only show you how much more foolish they are and how terrible their creative writing team is. Nobody cares to think about anything that's going on TV. And then when we get it on TV, everybody wants to fucking pick it apart and justifiably so. Then people come at me and I got to get fucking retarded emails every single time I say something off color here that's truthful because I hurt your fucking feelings. I'm sorry. The show sucks. And everything that's going on with the world title, they should be fucking ashamed of themselves. Seriously. Moving on. The Street Profits, like I said. Ezekiel and the Street Profits are backstage enjoying a cold beverage in their red Solo cup. They gave him a red Solo cup. He took a sip and he winced like I would wince if I drank tequila. I'm not a big guy when it comes to tequila. I don't do it. He said he was good, though. Chad Gable, Otis, and Kevin Owens approached them and made fun of him for drinking on the job. Gable was being judgmental of drinking on the job when Owens came in and said it's pathetic, just like Ezekiel's lies. Gable asked Ezekiel if he thinks he's smarter than him. He said he can beat a lie detector test, but only if you are a conniving liar. Owens said Ezekiel will be exposed as a liar and a liar. The Prophet said all three of them are going to be beat later on tonight in a six-man tag team match. Owens threw a drink in the face of Ezekiel and then left. This Ezekiel shit is going to die after Kevin Owens is rightfully removed from this storyline and nothing will come of Ezekiel, I guarantee you. I don't know when these main roster releases are going to happen, but they will be happening and it will be imminent. It is coming, man, like a fucking thunderstorm. I don't know if you guys are in New York. I don't know if you guys heard the fucking thunderstorm that happened in New York City this, this morning, man. Holy shit, it was like a fucking bomb going off outside in my backyard, man. I legitimately thought New York City was being bombed by the sound of the thunder that came rolling through the city this morning. Unnatural. Unnatural. That's what's going to happen when WWE brings down the WWE releases on the main roster. You all know who's going to be on that list. You all know who's going to be on that list. Ezekiel may be on that list, for all we know. We'll see what happens. Kevin Owens and Otis with Chad Gable against Ezekiel, the Street Profits, Angela Dawkins and Montez Ford. This was the opening match of Monday Night Raw. The babyfaces were in control. We got a commercial break. And then uh, the heels were in control. It was a nice spot here where Montez Ford seemed to be going for a sunset flip where Gable countered into a Northern Light suplex. Owens followed up with a moonsault for two. When Owens does his rolling cannonball and his moonsault and his centaur, man, it's fucking beautiful, man. I really enjoy Kevin Owens' offense. And I enjoy Kevin Owens as an act. I just wish it was something in a little bit more of an, of an important role on this show instead of fucking around with, Eze- with uh, Ezekiel. Crowd started to chant, we want Zeke, we want Zeke. He got the hot tag. Ezekiel gave Gable a spine buster, some chops, a big stinger-like splash in the corner. A big vertical suplex, but Otis broke up the cover. 
And then everyone just was in the ring at the same time, and they started trading big moves, just like all these random six-man tags that WWE wants to put on TV. Ezekiel tackled Owens and went away at him with some fists. Gable distracted the referee. Owens tripped Ezekiel, and Gable rolled him up for the one, two, three, and the heels. Alpha Academy and Kevin Owens win a random nothing six-man tag on Monday Night Raw. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where we're going. I don't know if Owens is going to be wrestling Ezekiel at the pay-per-view. I don't know what's going on with the Street Profits. They are going back and forth on what the Profits want to do. They want the tag team titles. They win matches. Then they then they get put in situations like this and then lose. The Street Profits were, were showing a little bit more of a tougher side. Not necessarily a heel side, which a lot of people were uh, talking about, rumored that they may be going heel. I didn't think that it was ever right for them to go heel. Or Montez Ford be broke up from Angelo Dawkins, and he goes on his own, not anytime soon for that either. They played a stray babyface role here, just like their old ways. So all that intensity and all that tough guy act that they were putting off for the last couple weeks seemingly went away tonight in this six-man tag. I don't know what's going on. There was a report that Vince McMahon is very unhappy. He's wanting to flip Heels to baby faces and baby faces to heels. He wants to find a proper role for everybody. The constant flipping back and forth is not going to be good for anybody and not going to be good for Monday Night Raw. So I don't know where any of these guys are going here. The tag team division's dead. The Owens and Ezekiel shit is fucking lame. I find it to be entertaining to, a, to an extent because of Kevin Owens, but this gimmick with Ezekiel has a very, very, very short shelf life. It's not going anywhere. As soon as this is over with Kevin Owens... You might as well end up releasing him because there's really nothing else for him to do. It's a one-trick pony. This gimmick is a one-trick fucking pony of a gimmick. So we'll see what happens going into the pay-per-view. AJ Styles was interviewed by Kevin Patrick. He asked Styles about the special stipulation being added to his match with Damian Priest tonight. So the stipulation is if he beats Priest tonight, Priest will be banned from ringside at Backlash, when he goes one-on-one with Edge. So we got another AJ and Damian Priest match after Damian Priest beat Finn Balor last week relatively clean and easy, one, two, three. So more than likely when WWE tags along a stipulation like this, WWE usually gives away the outcome before we even get to the actual match, which I don't really appreciate. I don't appreciate that. One bit. It's too predictable for me. So WWE has these two guys go at it. And that's going to be the stipulation going into their match tonight. So that AJ Styles can have a one-on-one match with Edge. On his own. Do we see a new member of Judgment Day on Sunday? I don't know. That's what they may be lining this up for. I have no idea. So we'll see what happens. Sonya Deville was backstage, and she was talking to Adam Pearce. This storyline with Sonya Deville also doesn't make any sense. She realistically should not be getting another title shot against Bianca Belair because not only did she lose, but Bianca beat Sonya, Carmella, and Zelina Vega in the same evening. Complete bullshit. So she's backstage, and Adam Pearce is there as well. Deville told Adam Pearce that she did everything by the book, so what the controversy is, she doesn't know. Pierce said upper management believes she abused her power and tried to use it to win, but it did not work. He said they want Sonya to wrestle, but without executive power. 
He said he put her in a six-woman tag team match later, and then Sonya hesitated, then suggested to be uh, in this match and make it a no-holds-barred match with all six of these women later on tonight. Pierce said, Tonight you are a competitor without any executive power, and no, I'm not changing the stipulation of the match. Sonya did not like how this meeting with Adam Pierce developed. So I said this last week when we covered Monday Night Raw. If they want to do something and announce something during the week for WWE management to give Sonya one more shot, the only way I would accept one more shot for Sonya and Bianca, because Bianca right now has no clear-cut opponent at the pay-per-view, and the only one that they put in there to really make sense of it all and be an opponent for Bianca Belair is Sonya Deville. The only way I would accept this is if management gives Sonya one more shot, and if she loses, she loses all executive power, she can't get it back, and she's got to be 100% a full-time performer. That's it. Even that I don't like because you're just rewarding her for being a loser after she lost, not once, not twice, but three times last week. So we'll see what happens with that, but that's the only way I would accept it, bending the rules a little bit. So we'll see what WWE does going into the Backlash pay-per-view. Veer Mahan. Veer Mahan made his way out to the ring. He's got another squash match tonight against some local North Carolina jobber by the name of Burt Hansen. This guy got a promo before the match started, and Byron Saxton absolutely wasted his time interviewing this guy because no matter what this guy was going to say, he was going to get demolished anyway. And nobody's going to remember Burt Hansen on Monday Night Raw. Saxton interviewed this clown. He asked why he would sign up tonight to face Veer on Monday Night Raw. Hansen said for all his life, he wanted to compete on Raw in his hometown of Greensboro, North Carolina. He said for years he worked down the street dreaming of this moment. He worked down the street at some barbecue rib place. And tonight his dream is coming true by being on Monday Night Raw. Oh my God, how delusional Burt Hansen really is, man. Holy shit, man. What, what'd you give Bruce to get this gig on Monday Night Raw? You gave him a nice fucking stack of ribs, some cornbread, a nice side of fucking... Uh, uh, pork and beans, huh? I heard they're delicious by the barbecue joint that you work at, man. Seriously. You might as well just stick to that. There's no reason to be on Monday Night Raw. This was a complete squash match. Complete squash. Veer wins in one minute. Lariat finishing cervical clutch, and that's it. It's the same shit, same exact thing that we're getting week by week by week with Veer Mahan. I'm already losing interest. I've already lost interest and whatever they're doing with Veer. And please do not tell me, let it play out. Do not tell me, let it play out. Nobody wants to see it play out week over week over week over week by having Veer in fucking squash matches. It's about time we get this guy in something a little bit more serious and not against Burt Hansen. I'm already losing interest over this shit, man. They're booking him exactly like they did Ryback. They're booking him exactly like they did Miro or Rusev. It's going to fail. Fans are already getting sick and tired of the repetitiveness on Monday. I enjoy a good squash match, don't get me wrong. But squash matches five weeks in a row, you're going to lose people's interest at that point. You're going to need event, you're going to need to eventually put him in the ring against somebody that's going to make him work. One minute matches is not going to get Veer over on Monday Night Raw. He's not the type of heel that's cool enough in front of this audience. 
that they're really going to gravitate, uh, gravitate towards after him squashing random jobbers every week in one minute. They're already failing Veer Mahan, which I'm not surprised by. It's Bruce and Vince McMahon show. Afterward, Veer kicked Hanson to the floor and then threw him back into the ring. He then applied his cervical clutch around the bottom rope. I guarantee you those ribs are calling your name there, Bert Hansen. Thanks for coming, bro. Edge. I'm loving what Edge is doing. I don't know what everybody else thinks about what Edge is doing. I'm loving what Edge is doing. It might not be working for some of you guys, but the way he commands your attention and the way he just knows how to get under people's skin, I love it. It's very, very respectable. So Edge and Priest, they did their entrance and Edge came out with his altar bridge theme, the other side. They're in the ring. And apparently Priest will be banned from ringside if AJ Styles beats Damian Priest tonight on Monday Night Raw. Edge said, we are Judgment Day. He says he knows most fans can't stand to look at themselves in the mirror and most of them don't like him anymore and maybe even despise him. I don't. I think he's great. And that's because you despise yourself. It's a miracle. It's a miracle everyone in Greensboro can put on their shoes, their shoes and waddle to their proper seats. He then imitated a Greensboro <laughs> accent. You know, I don't know what you guys do for uh, recreational activity out there in Greensboro, North Carolina. I don't know, man. You guys, uh, you guys down some of that moonshine out there? I don't know. What are you, tipping cows out there? I don't know. All right, it's no better here in New York. Don't mind me. He imitated a Greensboro accent. He said, if they were successful enough to support a sports franchise, it'll be called the Greensboro Lemmings. He explained a lemming is a rodent. He said fans don't have many teeth. He said Styles, by not backing out of their match, is going to face pain and judgment at Backlash. He told fans to bring it when they started booing him and Edge got a little bit more angry at the fans. So Edge kept talking about Styles until Styles came out eventually and had enough. His music played. Styles made his way to the ring and we got Styles versus Damian Priest with Edge in his corner. Out there in Damian Priest's corner. This was actually a very good match. This may have been the best match of the entire night. This was very good by both guys. Very predictable, but very good. So they were playing it up as, as Styles is playing off this injured shoulder, apparently, because Edge is daring AJ to hit the phenomenal forearm with the injured shoulder. Can he do it at the pay-per-view? He was in control until Priest took over and drove Styles shoulder first into the steel ring post on the outside. We go to a commercial break. Styles fought back, gave Priest a rack bomb for a near fall. Priest then followed up with a backbreaker. He went for a cover of his own. He got a two count. Styles slipped out of a razor's edge attempt, hit a Pele kick coming out of the razor's edge. Styles went for the phenomenal forearm, but Priest countered into a choke slam for a near fall. That South of Heaven choke slam is looking good, Damian Priest. Styles ducked a kick and went for the cap crusher, but let go when he was distracted by Edge. Styles used a roll up moments later. And got a pinfall off of a roll-up. Why? We see this enough in WWE. I don't get why we need to end a match that is very good like this one with a fucking roll-up. 
Soon as the match is over, Edge ran into the ring, attacked Styles immediately, and Priest gave him a flatliner. And that was pretty much it. That was pretty much it for them taking out Styles. Out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. Finn Balor comes out, and they were about to give him a concerto. Finn Balor runs out, and he made the save. Edge backed away. He took out Priest with a sling blade, and Edge backed away as Styles clothesline Priest out of the ring. They stood in the ring, and then they did the two suite together, and AJ Styles and Finn Balor, a mini Bullet Club reunion here. Too little, too late, Bruce. Too little, too late. Guarantee you they're not even thinking about the Bullet Club uh, camaraderie here between um, Finn Balor and AJ Styles. The camaraderie between these two guys is not that important to Bruce Pritchard. The only reason why Finn Balor is in this feud is because he was the United States champion, which was held also by Damian Priest, and Priest has been beating Balor, and now Balor is looking at Styles go two-on-one against Judgment Day, and it just makes sense that he is there with nothing to do, so let's slot him into this feud. They did not have any plan at all to pair Balor and Styles together when this thing got started. This just happened like that. It was a happenstance. Oh, Balor's got nothing to do. We'll add him to this, and we'll make it two-on-two. That's pretty much all that happened here. So Damian Priest loses via a roll-up. He will not be at ringside against the Edge and AJ Styles match that happens at Backlash. And I wonder if Edge is going to have another addition to Judgment Day show up at Backlash. Could be. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I know Tommaso Champ has been rumored to be in that group. Rhea Ripley's been rumored to be in that group. We haven't really seen any signs of those two yet or even any signs of Edge talking about another addition to the group. I would like to see somebody really take another spot there and be built up, just feeding off of Edge and what he's doing out there. But maybe Styles goes into backlash, and we don't really get anybody in Judgment Day added. Maybe Styles goes in there and gets the big baby face come from behind victory with the big phenomenal forearm. As the story is, he needs to do that phenomenal forearm with that one injured arm. I don't know. Seems like this will not be over after AJ Styles gets the victory over Edge at Backlash, and it looks like we may be going inside Hell in a Cell with Balor and Styles versus Priest and Edge going into the next pay-per-view. So we will see what happens, but as far as the makeup of the group, I'm excited to see where it goes because Damian Priest, I feel like, is a lot better presented here. I always enjoyed Edge as a heel more than a babyface, so I have always appreciated his work and his level of creativity So I'm loving that just by default. But as far as the overall story here, the overall story between all four of these guys, it is severely lacking. I don't know what the story is, why we're supposed to care. I feel like it's already hit a dead end. The guys in this this storyline, the the men in this storyline are great. I just feel like there's really nothing of substance there to really care about. And I know I'm not the only one that feels that way. So we'll see what happens. You know, I know a lot of people are mentioning Champa and Rhea Ripley. I've thrown it out there uh, a couple of times now. You know, I would add Dijak. I would get Dijakovic out of that fucking T-bar gimmick, and I would put him in a suit, and I would have him standing next to Damian Priest. He's got two big muscly guys there. The Edge is going to have two big fucking monster guys there in Damian Priest and T-bar or Dijak, whatever the fuck they want to call him, Dijakovic. 
Just put him in the group. Champa may work, but at the end of the day, I'd rather see Champa solo. I want to see Tommaso Champa like we saw him in NXT as a, as a fucking prick. Solo Champa is best Champa. And then, then we got Rhea Ripley. I think she would make a fine addition to the group, but it, there needs to be a story around it. Seems like WWE, even though it was teased, has maybe moved away from that, and maybe Rhea's going to be on her own as a heel in the women's division. I don't know. We'll see what happens, but uh, as far as the substance in this storyline, I'm just not feeling it right now going into backlash. Cedric Alexander, surprisingly still has a job. He was on Monday Night Raw. MVP and Omos were chatting backstage when Cedric walked in and approached MVP. He talked about the good old days of the Hurt Business. That was the only thing that was going to keep you employed here, Cedric. You may be on the Nick Khan budget cut list when that drops imminently. I'm predicting that. Shotzi will be there. Drew Gulak will be there. Ezekiel may be there. Balor may be there. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Dijak may be there, man. We don't know. But he's there talking about Hurt Business. He blamed Bobby Lashley and Shelton Benjamin being selfish. They have selfish egos for derailing the Hurt Business. MVP said he appreciates his desire to get back with him, but he has moved on. MVP says that it will do something to get his attention. He's got to do something tonight. And Cedric said, Shelton Benjamin isn't there this week, but I want to show you my value. I want to show you what I'm worth. He says he wants to do a match with Lashley tonight to get MVP's attention. And MVP said that he, right now, is getting his attention. I'll look at the match, I'll, I'll, I'll view the match, and I'll see what happens with you. He told him to show him what he can do later tonight. I don't really give a shit what Cedric Alexander does later tonight because we know it will be absolutely nothing. WWE clearly had no plans going into the show, being that Cedric Alexander made the final cut of Monday Night Raw. I'm sorry, bro. I don't care. You've been off TV. You've been treated like a fucking loser. You're a non-entity on this show. Please ask me why I should care when I know how WWE is exactly going to book you on tonight's show. Like a loser. I'm sorry, but I don't care. Miz. Miz had another Miz TV segment. This time, Mustafa Ali was his guest. So Miz is out there, and Ali has a microphone that isn't working. Miz was showing frustration with the technical issues that happened on this show. So Miz kept talking. This whole fucking show is a technical fucking issue. Miz kept talking rather than sharing his working microphone with Ali. Miz asked his... his his guest, about his act of desperation last week because he was never somebody that's been a champion in WWE or because the WWE Universe forgot about him during his hiatus. Ali's mic still isn't working. You see where this is uh, exactly going here with Ali. Miz told Ali, don't go to Twitter and complain online. Ali then yanked the microphone away from the Miz. He said the only thing that WWE and the WWE Universe wants to complain about is because Miz still works there. Ali said that Miz feels unheard, or when he feels unheard, he goes to management backstage, whereas when he feels unheard, he goes to the WWE Universe because, to me, they are the only ones that matter. So Miz got angry and said he'll live to regret that. Theory, Austin Theory, made his way out to the stage and said he had something to say to both Ali and the Miz. Miz said Theory is a man with manners 
and a microphone that works. Theory told Miz it wasn't fair he had a match last week without time to warm up or prepare. He said he suggested to Mr. McMahon that Miz's loss last week be permanently removed from the record books. Miz then smiled and thanked Austin Theory. He said it's at least something that he could do since a schmuck like Ali was trying to make a name at his expense. He asked Ali what he's done to deserve a United States Championship match, being that he said he wanted a shot last week. Ali interrupted and said, you two talk way too much. Ali says he wants to be the United States Champion, but he doesn't want an opportunity just handed to him. Austin Theory said that is great because he's already run it by Mr. McMahon that Ali can get a championship match because he has to get a championship contenders match first to get the victory and then get a United States championship match against him. Championship matches, championship contender matches are complete and utter dog shit. I don't know why we still have them. They don't make sense. So when I'm thinking, listening to this, are you really going to put Austin Theory in a championship contenders match? I hope to God not. Thankfully, that was the case. So, championship contenders match. Theory says, as he sees it, it won't go too well for Ali. He said, the truth is, when it comes to him, he can't beat him. He bragged about being the youngest WWE champion in history. And I just don't know if you can handle all that heat. Believe me, Ali said, if there's anyone back there who can handle the heat, it is me. Austin Theory says he can do this all day. Theory said Ali's match will be against not only him, but The Miz, and it will be a handicap match as both of the heels left at Ali's expense because he's got to beat both guys to get a championship match against Theory for the United States Championship. I don't really like this. And for all the fucking idiots, because the check marks said, oh, there's plans for Ali out there on Monday Night Raw. No, there is not. There was never a plan for Ali. There will never be a plan for Ali. Ali is not winning the United States Championship. Ali is not beating Austin Theory. And Ali is only there because WWE is going to embarrass him by any means necessary. Any chance that they get they will embarrass Mustafa Ali. They did it twice last week. He's lucky he got the victory last week. According to reports, he was supposed to lose last week. He got the victory last week. They they said it twice. This is the guy that couldn't cut it in WWE. This is the guy that wanted to quit and take his ball and go home. They're throwing all of that and what he said on social media in his face. You're going to get the fucking neckbeard WWE drones out there. Oh, they're bringing real life to TV. No, they're not. They're embarrassing this guy because that's what they've always planned to do. So what exactly did they do here? We're looming over a United States Championship match with Ali and Austin Theory, right? You figure this would be a match going into the pay-per-view, correct? Austin Theory and Miz beat Ali in three minutes in a handicap match tonight. So this guy makes his return to WWE after being out all these months, and he already loses his second match in on Monday Night Raw. Wow! What a plan there, bro! 
That's what I call grade A storytelling. What plan is there? This guy lost his second weekend. He's being embarrassed out there for a second week in a row. He's not getting a United States championship match by the looks of it. And if he does, he's not winning. What plan is there? The plan is for Ali to look like a schmuck. That's the plan. No long-term storyline, no fruitful storyline where we can invest in somebody that we actually like. Oh, no, 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 no. You want to sit home and you want to fucking get paid on our time and our watch? No, 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 no. Now you're coming to TV and we're going to embarrass you for making an embarrassment of the company on social media. That's all that this is going to do for Ali. After the match was over, Tommaso Ciampa... Tommaso Ciampa went out there and charged at Ali from behind, and the announcers did not know what was going on with Ciampa attacking Ali for a second week in a row. Wow, man, what a, what a, what a storyline. What, what a plan for Ali, right? Not only did he lose the United States Championship opportunity, he got blasted by Tommaso Ciampa for a second week in a row. Yes, this is a guy that the company is going to book creatively to look good, right? Give me a fucking break. And the very brief appearances of Champa, I'm very worried that WWE also, for him and his sake, don't have any plans for Tommaso Champa. Lame. They showed footage from earlier. You know what? I'm not even. Uh, listen, I'm not. I'm not even talking. I'm not even talking about the 24/7 title. I'm not talking about the fucking bullshit that they did on the show tonight. This shit sucks. This shit sucks. Seriously. Dane is upset at Reggie. Uh, Tamina is upset at Akira. And they had a, a, a match with Nikki Trash tonight for the 24-7 championship. She tried to take the 24-7 title. They made a match with Nikki Trash and Dana Brooke tonight for the 24-7 title. It went one minute. And Nikki Ash won the title early in the afternoon. Dana Brooke won the title back in one minute. And then Dana Brooke requested a divorce from Reginald. You know, I, I find it funny. I find it very funny how everybody, and, and you know who they are. You know who they are, right? On social media, when Nikki Ash made this return with this fucking lame gimmick, right? Dressing like a hoo-hee-hee, you know, dressing like a fucking a, a moronic-looking Batgirl. Nikki Trash, right? You know who on social media, the, the, the check marks, you know all the fucking shills in the community. I don't need to name them because I don't want to get fucking DMs. You know who they are that supported this, love this. Oh my God, if there's one person that gets it over and gets the gimmick over, it's Nikki Ash, right? All these people out there supporting Nikki Ash. I look at the gimmick. She came up with the gimmick on her own and she's succeeding, right? Where is she now? I don't, I don't hear anybody. I don't hear anybody. You know what I said from day one? This shit sucks. This is a fucking joke. This is an embarrassment. This will fail. This will die a thousand deaths on the main roster. Where is it now? I don't hear those people saying that Nikki Ash is going to get the gimmick over anymore, right? Where did you go? Y'all went silent. Right, yo, yo, what's that? Well, all these burner accounts, man. All I heard was delete, 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 delete. They were deleting their accounts left and right. Dana Brooke beat Nikki Ash in one minute. Yeah, some fucking gimmick, right? right? She's really going to get it over. Right? She's a fucking 24-7 loser. 
Loser! Holy shit. No matter what the woman does, she will suck. Nikki Ash, Nikki Cross, was great when she was in NXT, running under Triple H. That's the last time I even gave a shit about her. As soon as she got called up to the main roster, this woman has done nothing of note, nothing of importance, and she's a complete waste of roster space, as far as I'm concerned. Awful. Then, later in the show, Nikki's all dejected and sitting there. <laughs> right? Looked like she was contemplating life as she was about to get fucking released from WWE. That's what she's probably sitting there all sad about. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, Joe Drop, who apparently still has a job here, you would never know that because she's been off TV for how many weeks now? Doe Drop shows up, puts her hand on Nikki Cross's shoulder, Nikki Ashes, Nikki Trash's shoulder, and says, Are you done playing games? And then she looks at Nikki Trash, and Nikki says, Yeah. And then Doe Drop says, Good. And she's got these, these fucking silver like nails and knuckles on her. She looked very demonic there with the black eyeliner and these these fucking instruments of destruction on her hand. I, I don't know. I don't know. What, what, what's going on there? What's going on there with Nikki turning into a bad guy now, going and teaming with Dodrop? Oh, that's right, Bruce. You need tag teams. Right? You need tag teams. Let's team up the two women that got the, the UK accent going on. We'll pair them together. They'll make a good tag team, right? Being that we got nothing else going on for these two losers. It's better than getting released, I guess, right? One last hoorah before Nick Khan looks at both of you and says, Goodbye. We wish you well in your future endeavors. Tony Loritis. Women's division is complete garbage. Kevin Patrick interviewed Becky Lynch backstage about what happened last week. Unfortunately, for laughs, we did not get the My precious! The little hobbitses! We didn't get none of that shit tonight. I, I listen, Bruce, I'm surprised, bro. I heard through random reports, I got a little birdie in my ear, bro. I heard that you were watching Lord of the Rings Return of the King. On Sunday night on TNT, I heard you would get an influence for a new Becky Lynch promo, bro. What happened? You let me down, Bruce. Couldn't come up with anything creative, huh? You had enough golem, I see, huh? It's great. It's great. Where's the ring, Bruce? Where's the ring? Did Becky hand it off to fucking Sarah Martin? Huh? Did she dump it in the fucking volcano? I hope she dumps herself in the fucking volcano along with you. She interviewed with... Kevin Patrick, Lynch interrupted his recap of last week. She said, uh, I was there. There's no need to go over it again. She said it took bravery for her to tell the world she hit rock bottom after losing her identity. Uh, Becky Lynch, listen, we all hit rock bottom every time you're on fucking TV. We all hit rock bottom collectively as a community while we watch Monday and Friday WWE television. Monday Night Raw is rock bottom. She said this is her comeback story, not Oscar's, and it begins with ending Oscar tonight. Good luck with that. Good luck with that. I'd wish you'd end this fucking terrible storyline. Seth Rollins 
We're already in hour three, folks. We're already in hour three. This is fantastic. The quicker I get done with this, the quicker I could go and get my last attempt for a GM nightfall on Destiny 2, man. It's the hardest GM in the game. Seth. Seth Rollins dancing out there. He's got this fucking colorful, flowery suit coming out. He's in the ring. And it's Seth Rollins Appreciation Night. Great. What are we going to have JD from NY Appreciation Night in the IWC, man? Seriously. All should appreciate me for the job that I do, man. I am doing the Lord's work by watching this show for you. When are we going to have JD Appreciation Night, man? Seriously. Seth was in the middle of the ring. They had this big spotlight shining down upon him. Fans sang his theme. He soaked it up and smiled. He said they were giving me chills. This feels good, doesn't it? Seth freaking Rollins in the spotlight. Fans then began chanting for Cody... Cody, that appeared to ruin Seth's good mood. Funny you should mention that jerk, he said. He claimed Cody tried to steal his spotlight at WrestleMania. He said he will show at Backlash that you can't steal his spotlight because he is the damn spotlight. He got angry and told the fans to shut up. He said he is the standard bearer in this industry, and it seems fans are forgetting that. We want Cody chance began to start up again. And Seth says they've forgotten how good he is, but he loves to remind them. He said he had his people put together a video package showing his rise to superstardom. Get ready to appreciate Seth freaking Rollins. Instead, we got Cody's theme music playing on the PA system. Cody came out to the stage and he was wearing this beautiful plaid blue suit. So we got another Cody chant. He's in the ring. Seth X, Cody, why he's sticking his nose where it doesn't belong. If you're not here to give me my flowers, shut up, please. Cody congratulated Seth. And then Seth looked at Cody Rose with uh, some weird fucking look. You okay, bro? Seriously. Cody asked what this is all about. He said he seems to be unraveling at the seams. He says his loss at WrestleMania to him seems to be an albatross. Cody said Seth was wearing a hideous Johnny Polo getup. Cody says his hypocrisy knows no bounds. By the way, Johnny Polo used to manage the Quebecers back in the early 90s in WWF, the Mountie, and Jean-Pierre Lafitte, if you guys don't remember. He also, he also used to be, uh, I believe, a uh, handler for Yokozuna. Johnny Polo, man, good old Raven. Gotta love him. Cody says his hypocrisy knows no bounds. He says he's been a gentleman since his return, no matter what. And this, tonight, he's about to cross the line. He said Seth is a big star, but he's also delusional. Seth took offense to all these words by Cody Rhodes. Seth asked if he's really saying he's the one in the ring who is delusional. That's rich. That's rich, says Seth Rollins. That's rich coming from you, kid. He said the late, great American dream Dusty Rhodes wrestled hundreds, if not thousands of times in that very arena. Then we got a Dusty chant starting in the crowd. Seth said, but just like you, he was an egomaniac who thought he was a larger-than-life athlete and thought he transcended the business. He said the apple didn't fall far from the tree. Seth said Dusty really wanted to be the WWE champion, but he was never good enough. He says as long as he is in WWE, Cody isn't going to be good enough either. Seth then punched Cody. Cody made a comeback and 
through Seth into the corner. He then hits. This is worrisome to me. This is very worrisome to me. Seth hit a springboard Cody Cutter. Seth nailed the cutter, or Cody rather, hit the cutter on Seth, and Seth rolled out to the floor. So Cody Rhodes got the last bit of offense on the go-home show to Seth Rollins right before WrestleMania Backlash. We're getting this rematch again, and I just have a feeling. I just have a fucking feeling that WWE is going to have Cody Rhodes lose at Backlash ultimately to set up another rematch inside Hell in a Cell. I don't know why we need Hell in a Cell between Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins. It's not that type of feud. Unless WWE does something in the next four weeks, I don't see how that match makes sense inside Hell in a Cell. And I would not risk Cody Rhodes inside Hell in a Cell, being that this will be his second month back in WWE. But that's what I see WWE doing. I have a feeling that Cody Rhodes will be losing at Backlash and Cody Rhodes, in my honest and genuine opinion, should not be losing any matches until he gets in the ring with Roman Reigns or whomever the WWE champion is by the time that match happens. He should not be losing matches. Seth is not factoring into anything. Seth is not going for world championships. Cody is going for world championships. Seth will be fine. Cody cannot afford a loss. It's not going to look good for Cody if he loses to Seth Rollins. But that's what WWE is going to do because they got a Hell in a Cell pay-per-view to sell out, right? In Illinois, the Rosemont Arena, I believe. Rosemont, Illinois, it's taking place. They got tickets to sell and they're going to need to book Hell in a Cell and Cody Rhodes being inside Hell in a Cell is going to sell tickets. I don't like it. It doesn't make sense and it doesn't call for it. These gimmick pay-per-views need to fucking die a thousand deaths. Die in a fire. These gimmick pay-per-views. Fucking lame. Absolutely lame. If Cody Rhodes loses, I said this. If Cody Rhodes loses so early in his run, his appeal will be wearing thin. Cody needs to be treated unlike anybody that's in WWE right now. Special. You start tinkering with that, he's not going to be special anymore. WWE's done an admirable job up, up until this point. They didn't, they didn't overexpose him tonight. He made one appearance tonight. He didn't make four entrances tonight. He didn't show up three times tonight. One appearance tonight. They're doing an admirable job. You need to keep to that same formula. Keep to that same plan. If you deviate away from that plan, you are going to risk Cody Rhodes and making him feel special. Bobby Lashley versus Cedric Alexander. This went two minutes. Oh, what a Monday Night Raw, man. Two minutes here, three minutes there, one minute there. This is WWE's version of pro wrestling. Why do these shows feel so long? Because they got five fucking two-minute matches on this goddamn show. Bobby Lashley versus Cedric Alexander right at the the, the, the ring belling, uh, the bell ringing, ring belling. Right after the bell rang, MVP and Omos interrupted from the stage. Cedric attacked a distracted Lashley from behind. MVP did some commentary. Don't know what type of commentary he's going to be doing to fill two fucking minutes. Lashley made a comeback. MVP said if he struggles to beat Cedric, what he will do against Omos. Ha 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 ha. Omos! What is he going to do against Omos if he struggles against Cedric Alexander? Cedric made a comeback. Preoccupied Lashley, distracted Lashley. Stomped away at him. MVP said Lashley's nothing without him on commentary. Cedric drove 
Lashley through the ropes and tried to spear Lashley. But Cedric came up short. He beat him up at ringside, threw him back into the ring, hit a spear, hurt Locke, and that's it. Wow, man, what a what a storyline. What a fucking storyline, man. Holy shit, this is a go-home show. At this point, I was asking myself, this is a go-home show? This is the best you got for a go-home show before WrestleMania backlash. Great job there, Bruce. Great job. Footage aired of Gable Steveson, Titus O'Neil, Happy Corbin, and The Miz participating in NFL draft announcements last week. Now, I could see the crowd knowing Gable Steveson. I could see the crowd even knowing The Miz. But I guarantee you that everybody that was in Las Vegas for the NFL draft, when these guys came out, Titus O'Neil and Happy Corbin, everybody in that setup, wherever the fuck they were. I don't know where the NFL draft took place, what casino it took place in, but I guarantee you everybody that was in attendance for the NFL draft did not have one iota of a clue who Happy Corbin and Titus O'Neil were. Good luck with that, WWE. Good luck with that. Sarah Schreiber interviewed Liv Morgan backstage. Liv Morgan says that they thought they were a great team, her and Rhea Ripley. Ripley thought she was the problem. She said she thinks Ripley actually disappointed in herself, is absolutely disappointed in herself, and she won't take blame or any beating from her again. Great. Great. I don't know. I don't care. Move on. Let's get on with the fucking women's division and get some solid storylines in the women's division. There's nothing going on right now. Becky Lynch, Rhea Ripley, and Sony Deville versus Liv Morgan, Asuka, and Bianca Belair. This was your main event. Just by the looks of this, and this being the main event, you can tell this show was written in about five minutes. Six-woman tag team match. Pretty decent match here. Nothing overly exciting or special here. Lynch and Asuka started, and they went at it after last week's exchange. Lynch ducked a bunch of strikes and quickly tagged out to Sony Deville because that's what Becky Lynch does. My precious Becky Lynch and the little hobbitses. Asuka tagged Belair, but Deville quickly tagged out to Ripley. Nobody wants to deal with who they're feuding with. Crowd chanted EST, EST. Rhea Ripley countered a suplex by yanking Belair down by her hair. DeVille tagged in because she's seen an opening and started beating down Belair. Morgan and Lynch had an exchange until Morgan wiped out Ripley with a dive. Morgan had her back to the ring, which allowed Lynch to hit a dropkick and a diving leg drop for two. So we go to commercial break. The heels are working over the baby faces here. Ripley gave Morgan a headbutt, but... Uh, or not, uh, not Morgan, Belair. Ripley gave Belair a headbutt, but Belair responded with a shoulder tackle and delivered a delayed vertical suplex on Rhea Ripley. Goes for a cover, gets a two count. So the heels are in control again. Teamed up on Belair, which led to DeVille and Ripley giving her a double suplex off the middle rope. Then Asuka made the hot tag, hit DeVille with the shoulder tackle, running hip attack, German suplex, big sliding knee. She goes for a cover, gets a two count. It was a nice uh, combo of moves here where Asuka knocked DeVille off the apron with a running hip attack right into a code breaker by Liv Morgan on the outside. That was pretty cool, I gotta admit. Morgan tried for a pinfall when she rolled uh, DeVille in the ring. 
Becky Lynch broke that up. Everyone was in the ring now. This became a typical WWE six-person tag team match. Everybody hitting their big moves, rolling out of the ring, which we were left with the two legal women in the ring. Everyone traded moves until DeVille took it to Morgan and hit her with a running knee strike for two count. DeVille tried a cover with uh, feet on the ropes, but the referee caught her. Belair shoved DeVille off the ropes. Morgan hit Oblivion on Sonya DeVille for the one, two, three. And the babyfaces win to send the crowd home happy on the go-home show for Monday Night Raw going into WrestleMania Backlash. Who cares? Who fucking cares? This show was an absolute... They mentioned Albatross. They mentioned Albatross. Cody mentioned Albatross to Seth Rollins, man. This show was a fucking Albatross to everybody watching it tonight. It weighed everyone down. It made everybody fucking seek other other forms of entertainment this evening. This was as unimportant of a show. I swear on my grandfather's tomb. This show was as unimportant as any show I've seen all year in WWE. A complete, nonsensical, unimportant show that did absolutely nothing to make you excited about anything at the pay-per-view. The only thing I'm somewhat excited for is Cody and Seth because I know what Cody's going to do. He's going to bring the heat at the pay-per-view. I was excited for the tag team unification match, but we don't even have that anymore. So that was the one thing that we all cared about, and now we don't have it, and now we have nothing to care about on this show. Austin Theory isn't defending the United States title. Ricochet isn't defending the Intercontinental Championship. Becky Lynch and Oscar's not going to be on the show. Bianca Belair has no opponent going into the show. What the fuck have they done? What are they doing? It's like everybody took fucking vacation after WrestleMania. You should all be fucking ashamed of yourselves. Awful. What an awful, awful fucking program, man. Seriously. Thank you guys so much for joining me on Monday night. This is your Monday Night Raw post show. We're about to wrap up here. Go over the Super Chats in just a little bit, man. Tonight's show sponsored by my great friends over at Blue Chew. BlueChew.com. You guys are going to use that code JD at checkout to get your free sample. Confidence can take you guys far in life, man. Confidence is one of the main reasons why I have the number one show in all of the IWC every fucking week here on YouTube. Confidence takes me far. I don't need Blue Chew for confidence. Jesse may. Him and his fucking tacos. But confidence can take you far in life, man. Uh, far in life, man. You're you'll you'll be at your best, especially when it comes to stepping up to the plate. That's where Blue Chew comes into play. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets, and they are a fraction of the cost. You guys can take them anytime, day or night. Plan ahead. Be ready whenever the opportunity arises. And the process is very simple. You sign up at BlueChew.com. Consult with one of their licensed online medical providers. And once you are approved, you're going to receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. So no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. BlueChew's tablets are shipped direct to you, made in the USA, in a very discreet package. You know, I always talk about first impressions, guys. WWE usually gets their first impressions wrong when they're debuting a new talent. They're off on the wrong foot. But what about a lasting impression? They don't even know how to do that right, either. But what about a lasting impression? You're going to make a good first impression and a great lasting impression with Blue Chew, man. 
We got a special deal for all of our listeners tonight. Try Blue Chew for free using code JD at checkout. BlueChew.com. Promo code JD. You're going to get your first month free. All you guys have to do is pay the $5 shipping and handling. I want to thank Blue Chew for once again sponsoring my podcast tonight for the Monday Night Raw Post Show right here on Off The Scripts. Let's get into the Super Chats, guys. Get them on in. Looks like we don't have many, so I'll be out of here quick. Michelle Moran with a $2 Super Chat. Will Roman give up a belt at the September draft? Number one, we don't know if there's going to be a draft in September. It is a preliminary thought right now. Plans are always changing in WWE. We don't know what to think. And no, he will not be giving up a title. Michelle also with another $2 Super Chat. I feel like Seth's heel run is fizzling out. WWE is fizzling out. Whatever excitement they had coming out of WrestleMania is all but gone. Joseph Taylor with a $5 Super Chat. The club versus Judgment Day inside Hell in a Cell. Talked about it on the show, Joseph. Talked about it on the show, man. I'm way ahead of you. Ricardo Linnell. With a 22-month Super Chat, man, thank you so much for re-upping to the VIP club. Two months away from the Golden Mike, getting that is more exciting than Monday Night Raw. Peanut butter whiskey for all the VIPs in the venue, says Ricardo Linnell. Thank you, Ricardo. I appreciate you very much, man. Love to see the recommitment. Joseph King becomes a four-month VIP. Like how AJ and Finn did the Bullet Club too sweet hand gesture. On the faction's nine-year anniversary, May 3rd, 2013, with the two former leaders. I did not know that, man. That is a nice little statistic right there. Thank you, Joseph King, for that little tidbit. I did not know that. Did WWE know that? Probably not. Finn Balor and AJ Styles knew that, though. Bruce doesn't care to know. Reverend Davey Thompson with a five-dollar super chat. Hey, JD, it's been a while since I did this, but here's a little something for having to sit through Raw. Reverend Davey Thompson, I appreciate it, brother. Cheers. Sassy two. What is it? Sassy twenty-two oh eight with a twenty-dollar super chat. No message. Sassy, no message, bro. Don't be shy here, man. Twenty dollars is a a lot of money. It's enough to buy me uh, at least two beverages, bro. No message. I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for stopping by the venue. MGM Bolin with a 499 Super Chat. Every night is JD Appreciation Night unless you're an e-drone. I don't need an appreciation night, man. I know you guys appreciate me and what I do. I wish I could get more people on board with appreciating me, but... They got the brains of a fucking box of rocks, man. So I, I'm not surprised. Bradley Robinette with a 199 Super Chat. When will you be on Sirius XM? I have no idea. I have no idea, Bradley Robinette. I'd love to be on Sirius. That's the dream. That's the goal. Can you imagine this show on Sirius, man? We'd, let, we'd light the world on fire. Seriously. Make sure you guys get those thumbs up in, man. We need 1,000 likes minimum. On today's OTS Monday Night Raw Post Show. 
Also, make sure you guys go check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel, including last night's massive live stream, episode 428. Go check that out. It was live last night on YouTube. And go check out all the other videos that you might have missed last week. Tons of content there. I'll be back live. I'll be back live on Tuesday with NXT. That's going to be the last NXT post show for a very, very long time, man. I'm not covering NXT anymore. I am not covering NXT anymore, man. It is a waste of my time. We'll figure something out. Spring break in tomorrow night. I'll be back live on Wednesday with Dynamite. Jesse and I will be in the venue. And then Friday, SmackDown and no Rampage. Until then, guys, listen. I need those guitar emojis. And I need to see everybody in the chat, man, with those Mustang emojis as well. I need that music on Max. I'll see you guys tomorrow night for NXT right here on Off The Script. I'll see you guys later.